0: great great to see you i know we're eight days in and so it's a little late to be wishing everybody happy new year but we haven't been together i'm so glad to see you as as people came around the corner this morning i kept thinking oh it's so good to see them so good to see them feels like we haven't been together in forever so it's just it's good to be together it's good uh to see you hope your new year is off to a fantastic start we're uh we're eight days in already to the new year, so I'm assuming this has been the best week of your whole year, right? And in uh, the worst week of your whole year, and the happiest week, and the saddest week, and all of that, it's been a week. Maybe you made some resolutions uh, this week. Maybe you broke some resolutions. Maybe you broke all of your resolutions. It's okay, you know. Go easy on yourself. It's it's difficult to keep resolutions for a whole week, right? So just deep breath. Keep trying, baby steps, progress, not perfection. You know that we just we just want to keep moving forward. Uh, here at Journey, we often take the beginning of the year and, and focus on uh, a, a spiritual discipline or a spiritual pattern, and 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 very often it's prayer. Uh, we just we think that the best way to prepare for a new year is to pray for a new year. So we often try to focus our attention around. Uh, How do we encourage one another to pray in this new year? And so like we did last year, we're going to enter in starting today to 21 days of prayer uh, where we're encouraging each other to be people of prayer over these next 21 days. There's a couple of ways that you can participate. Um, For one, you can pray every day for the next 21 days. And maybe that's uh, already a part of your regular pattern. Fantastic. Just keep that going. Uh, Or maybe you're like a lot of people, even though we don't admit it it at church on Sunday mornings, but maybe you're like a lot of people and you just struggle with consistency when it comes to uh, your prayer life. And so this is 21 days. We're all going to be doing it together, right? And and maybe over 21 days we can form some new habits of, of just praying consistently every single day, whether that's in the morning or lunch or evening. You pick. You find that time that's right for you. And just commit, hey, 21 days, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to make time for God. I'm going to talk to God. If journaling helps you, wonderful, journal. Journal. If it doesn't help you, then don't. If making a list helps, great. If writing out your prayer helps. A lot of different ways to go about this, but... I- Our encouragement, we're doing it together, 21 days. We're going to pray every single day uh, during these 21 days. Second way that you can participate in 21 days of prayer is to fill out a 21 days of prayer card. It looks like this. It's in the seat pocket in front of you. There are several copies in the seat pocket in front of you, and it just says 21 days of prayer and a whole bunch of lines and those lines are a place for you to write out prayer requests. Use the back if you need more room. Use a second card if you need uh, more room. We didn't put pens out, so if you have a pen, be generous. If somebody on your road needs to borrow a pen this morning, pass it down the row. Um, fill these out, and, and here's what we do during 21 days of prayer, and you can see some already up here. At the end of our service, our, our worship leaders will come back out. They're going to lead us in a, a wonderful song uh, to wrap up the service today, and if you've written something down on a prayer request, and, uh, on a card, then I would just encourage you during that song, come up, leave those here across the platform, maybe pray for a minute, uh, maybe bring a friend and both of you pray together. I'm going to be at the front this morning. If you want me to pray with you or for you, I'm happy to pray with you and for you. But every Sunday during this series, we're going to put cards across the front. And they'll just stay up here this whole series. And then the third way that you can participate is by attending our prayer gatherings on Saturday mornings, 8.30. For the next three Saturdays, we're going to gather in this room, and we're going to join with some other churches uh, via video, a short time of worship, very short teaching time, and then we're going to have about 25, 30 minutes of just prayer. And that's when we'll come down the the platform. We'll pray for these cards. Uh, There'll be prayer stations around the room. So if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to pray for that long. I don't know what to pray. There will be guidance and places and things for you to pray for during that whole time. You won't get bored. You won't run out of things to pray for. So if you're available, all three or two out of three or one out of the three, next three Saturdays at 830, uh, we're going to pray right here. And then to kind of keep us in this mindset and and keep this focus going, uh, we're starting a series today. Uh, about prayer and, and encouraging our prayer lives. Uh, it, this is a series that is um, going to be focused around this question of of what do you want? What do you want? What, what do you want to ask God for? We sometimes forget it, those of us who are in the church all the time, uh, or maybe you've been a Christian for a really long time, we sometimes how for, we sometimes forget how mind-blowing a concept it is that the creator of the universe tells us to ask him for things and he tells us this over and over again he says i want you to ask me for things i want you to give me your request whatever you want whatever you're asking for i want you to talk to me i want you to to give those requests to me and over and over in the bible we have examples of this jesus Several times in his ministry, he tells stories about a person that just kept asking somebody for something over and over again. One was a neighbor that kept knocking on his neighbor's door. One, one was a woman who kept appealing to a judge over and over and over. And in all of those stories, Jesus commends the person that keeps asking. It says, look, this is the way you're supposed to ask with God. He doesn't get bored with you. He doesn't get annoyed with you. He's not mad at you when you keep asking. You should keep asking again and again. This is what God wants from you. Uh, Our Bible has verses like this in Luke chapter 11. This is Jesus again. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. I mean, we have a religion that worships a God who says, Ask me, ask me anything, just ask me, make your request known. Philippians says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. There it is again. You got to ask. You got it. God wants you to ask. Um, as I mentioned, God doesn't get bored. He doesn't get annoyed. He doesn't get impatient. In this way, God is very different from our earthly fathers, right? Because earthly fathers, you ask the same thing enough and they get a little impatient, right? As an earthly father, speaking on behalf of, of the earthly father club i can tell you that if you ask the same thing over and over again we get annoyed we get impatient it's just true the bible says god never gets that way with you god's not like your earthly father god's not like anybody you know you can ask and you can ask and you can ask he never gets annoyed james says this you do not have because you do not ask god James says, there's some situations God would give it to you if you'd ask. Your prayer somehow intersects with what God is doing, and if you ask for it, God will say yes. And if you don't ask for it, you won't have it. That's what James says. I'm not making that up. James says, you don't have because you didn't ask, and if you would have asked, you would have it. So ask. Talk to God. Pray. Make your request known you. To God. Now, th- those are kind of the general comments that the Bible gives about prayer and about asking. You should ask, you should ask. Those are kind of the teachings about prayer. But there was an incident in Jesus' life where he dealt with an individual about this issue. Uh, it- it's found in uh, Matthew 20 mark 10 and luke 18 the exact same story different details if you're familiar with gospel writers who cover the same stories they they pick up different details they see the story from a different perspective and vantage point so you get slightly different details but it's the exact same story over and over again they tell us there's a a, a blind man matthew actually says there were two blind men Uh, Luke just says he was a blind man who was a beggar, which is what you were if you were blind, like that was your only option. You didn't have career choice. This is what you did if you were disabled, if you were blind. Your whole life was going to be spent begging. Mark tells us his name, says his name was Bartimaeus. So again, all these slightly different uh, details of the story. But all three gospel writers include a question that Jesus asked this man exact same question in all three Gospels, in spite of their different details, Jesus asks this one question, and this one question is where we want to camp out. We're, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, if you want to read along with us. Let me kind of set up the story. Jesus is walking through the city of Jericho, and his disciples are with him, along with a huge crowd, which happened all the time. Lots of people walking along with Jesus. The crowd keeps growing and over on the side is a blind man who figures out Jesus is passing by. And so the blind man begins to yell. Right, He begins to shout out to Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, over here, come talk to me. Have compassion on me. He's making quite a scene. And then everybody that's around the blind man shushes him. Nobody likes to get shushed, do they? Mike, shushing is another one of those annoying things. If you've ever been shushed, you know you don't like it. If you've ever shushed to the wrong person, you have found out they didn't like it. right? Shushing is annoying. The whole crowd shushes this guy. The whole crowd says, be quiet, nobody cares, nobody's listening to you. Your opinion doesn't matter. Jesus is too busy. We're all too busy to deal with you. You don't matter. But then this is what happens in verse 49 of Mark chapter 10. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. What do you want me to do for you? This open-ended question. And Jesus doesn't ask this question of the president or the CEO or some dignitary. He doesn't ask this question of a man who has titles and is really important. Jesus asked the person that everybody else dismissed, everybody else overlooked. Jesus has a one-on-one conversation with him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And notice Jesus doesn't answer for him. Jesus gives space for this blind man to answer. He doesn't fill in the answer after he gives the question. You know people who do that? You know people who ask the question, but before you answer, they answer for you? Like the person who says, "Where do you want to go to lunch today? How about Mexican?" Like, I always want to say, "If you want to go Mexican, just say let's go Mexican." Like, don't pretend I have a choice. I see a lot of husbands. See a lot of husbands nodding their head. Yeah, I'm in there, right? Like, don't pretend I have a choice if you've already decided we're going to eat Mexican today. People do that all the time. Ask a question, answer it. Jesus doesn't do that in the story. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he waits. He waits. What's the answer? What do do you want me to do for you? And the answer, let's be honest, the answer seems really obvious. The answer is so obvious that the question sort of seems like a waste. Like, why do you have to ask that question? The answer is found in the story itself. When the story said he was a blind beggar, bingo, that's the answer. We don't really need the question. We already have the answer, but Jesus asked the question anyway. Why? Why? We, we don't have a specific answer? I, I've got a couple of answers I'd like to suggest, like this one. In asking the question, Jesus was giving dignity to the blind man? Jesus was showing value to the blind man? Jesus was honoring the blind man as a human? That you matter? Just seconds before Jesus asked this question, what was everybody saying to the blind man? Be quiet. Shush, yeah. Shush. Nobody wants to hear your voice. You, You don't get to play. You don't get to participate. You're on the side. Nobody wants to talk to you. Jesus stops the crowd that day and says, no, you matter. Your opinion matters. Your voice matters. What you want matters. Your desires, they matter. Jesus seemed to be saying to this blind man, I'm not going to do anything for you or to you until you say it's okay. You get to make that choice. You get to have a voice today, not just in the crowd. You kind of pan out from that moment in that crowd, telling him to be quiet. How has this person lived their whole life? First century, they're blind. They don't get choices. He's never been asked, what career do you want? What do you want to major in in college? What do you want to be when you grow up? In the first century, if you were blind, you would get up in the morning and someone would take you by the hand to a place where you could beg and they would drop you off, and at the end of the day, they would take you by the hand and they would lead you back home. You didn't get choices. Somebody else made choices for you. Somebody else told you where you would go and what you would do. They defined your whole day. And this moment, Jesus stops and says, You get a choice. You matter. You are valuable just like everybody else here. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What do you you really want? Not what everybody's told you you should want. Not what you think everybody wants. What do you want? Well, this is... A moment of profound dignity in this man's life. This is a moment of profound value that Jesus is giving to this man. You matter. And, and, and sometimes in the church, like if we're not careful, when it comes to what we should want spiritually, you know, for for, for a lot of us, I think we've been told all of our lives what we should want spiritually. We've been told all of our life, well, you should do this. Well, you should want this. Well, this is the person you're supposed to be. Jesus doesn't ask, what does everybody else think you should be? Jesus says, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do for you? Sometimes we, we when it comes to requests, when it comes to asking for things, even though there's all these verses in the Bible, we look at our own lives and we think, well, who am I to ask God for anything? Well, who am I? I've made too many mistakes. I'm making too many mistakes. My life's too messed up. I've already done too much wrong. And God stops and looks at you, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how others feel about yourself, God stops and looks at you and says, no, I care what you want. I care what you say. I care what your opinion is. I want to hear from you today. It's not Jesus talking to this room. It's not Jesus talking to a crowd. It's Jesus talking to you as an individual. He cares what you want today. Something else I see. Jesus invites us into this moment and into the miracle. When he's talking to the blind man, he's inviting him into this moment and into the miracle that was about to happen. It's as if Jesus is saying, what are we going to do together? I want this to be your idea. I'm not going to just come in and tell you. I want to hear your idea, and then let's do it together. Let's be a part of this together. Bob Goff describes what, what he sees as the best version of an earthly father, and then he compares that to our heavenly father. He says, I think a father's job, when it's done best, is to get down on both knees, lean over his children's lives, and whisper, where do you want to go? Every day, God invites us on the same kind of adventure. It's not a trip where he sends us a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. God, ask what it is he's made us to love, what it is that captures our attention, what feeds the deep, indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world he made. And then, leaning over us, he whispers, let's go do that together. Let's go do that. I mean, what if God is a father who leans over us and says, where do you want to go? What do you want us to do? In 2023, what do you want us to accomplish together? What goal do you want you and I to engage in? What barriers do you want us to break down? What relationships do you want us to try to mend or repair or build? What do you want me to do for you? You get to be a part. You're not on the sidelines. It matters to God what you and I are. Want. We just have to tell him. Which brings up kind of the opposite end of that, which is in this question, Jesus is helping us see our need for him. Jesus is inviting us to the miracle, but he's also reminding us hey, look, you need me for this. You need me for this. Just the question itself what do you want me to do for you? I I, I think. Certainly with the blind man, the problem was something that he could not solve on his own. No matter how hard he tried, no matter what he did, it was not within his power to fix that problem. And so Jesus says, why don't you give me the problem that you haven't been able to solve? Why don't you give me that hope that you have that you have not been able to realize. Yet wh- why don't you give me that relationship that you've not been able to make any headway on? Why don't we do this together? Because you can't do it by yourself. I want to step in and help you. I want to step in and bring power and wisdom and breakthrough that you can't provide on your own. I mean, in, in a sense, this is, this is the nature of prayer. The nature of prayer is admitting there are things God can accomplish that I can't. And I need to ask Him to accomplish those things. There are breakthroughs that I won't ever have apart from God helping me. There are goals that I want to reach that only God can make a way. There are doors that I can't open but God can open. What do you want me to do for you? Look to Jesus in this. It it, it may be... One of the reasons some of us don't pray as much as we should. Because some of us have very much a self-reliant bent to us. I can fix it. I can handle it. I can do it. I can manage it. I'll figure it out. And that mentality serves us very well in some areas of our lives. It just doesn't serve us well when it comes to faith. It doesn't serve us well when we come to spirituality. It doesn't serve us well when we come to prayer, because prayer is admitting I can't without you, God, and and I have a part to play. And there are things I can do after I pray, and I need to step in this along with God. But I can't do this apart from God. In twenty twenty three, what is that going to be for you? What is going to be? What is going to be that that area of your life? that only if God breaks through will there be a breakthrough. Only if the power of Jesus shows up will there be any momentum towards accomplishing what's in your heart. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Another item I see. In this question, Jesus, Jesus' question requires clarity and specificity. He's looking for a specific answer to a specific question. What do you want me to do for you? Specific question. The only answers are nothing, right? And if we say nothing, then we miss the whole opportunity to be a part of what God's going to do. Or we come up with a specific answer. What do you want me to do for you? The answer is not... I just want you to help me okay well what specific type of help do you want i want to do good things in 2023 okay well, what specific type of good thing do you want to happen in 2023 so i i want to worry less right specifically what is creating worry in your life this is a specific question that requires clarity in its answer we um we sometimes give <clears throat> vague questions or vague offers like, let me know if I can do anything, right? Very vague, well-intended. We say it with good intentions all the time. It can be very helpful. Not saying that's not helpful. I'm just saying, let me know if I can do anything. is very general and very vague. And is often met with a very general, very vague response. Jesus doesn't give a vague question. He says, what do you want? me to do for you what specifically do you want to see happen in your life this year what specifically do you want to see jesus accomplish in your life this year and and let's not come up with 20 of those or 10 or 15 or five of those what's the one thing if you if you got really specific about praying about asking jesus for something what is the one thing you would ask him for this year What is the one thing that you would pray all this year? You know, some people pick a word for the year, which can be helpful. I've done that before. What if we picked a prayer for this year, each individually, not collectively, each individually? This is the one thing I'm asking Jesus for this year, and I'm going to pray it every day. I'm going to pray it every day. I'm going to pray other things, but I'm going to pray this every day. I'm going to ask every single day for this one thing. And, and I would encourage you in arriving at this, not to overcomplicate it. Get a simple question, what do you want Jesus to do for you in 2023? It's a simple question. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overanalyze it. The blind man did not overcomplicate this. He did not overanalyze it. Some of us are overanalyzers, right? And so, when we're posed with a specific question like this, then we start asking, "Well, is that the right thing? Should, is that what I should answer? I don't want to mess. I don't want to get the wrong answer. I need to think about this for a couple months. I need, don't overcomplicate it. What do you want Jesus to do for you in 2023? And then answer. Answer. For the blind man, it was really simple. Rabbi, I want to see. How was it? Simple, direct, wasn't complicated, didn't take two paragraphs, didn't have to explain it. I want to see. What is that for you? What is that area of your life that if Jesus were standing in front of you and he looked into your eyes and said, what do you want me to do for you? That it would just spontaneously come out. You wouldn't run it through the the grid of, well, what would the pastor think of this? Or what would other Christians think about this? Or what would my small group think about this? You wouldn't run it through the grid of what anybody else thought. You would just answer from the depth of your being. You would just say, "Is this. Find what that is and then pray it. And pray it again. And pray it again. And pray it again because your Father delights in in hearing your request. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And what is it for you? I I think Jesus asked this question of all of us, not just a blind man 2,000 years ago. He sees you, he values you, he knows you, he loves you. And he's asking that same question. 2023 what do you want me to do for you? Whatever of your life do you want me to move in? Where, where do you want to see breakthrough? Where do you want to see victory? Where do you want to see healing? Where do you want to see repair? Where do you want to see strength? Where do you want to see growth? What do you want me to do for you Jesus is saying to you and it's not accusatory. He's not tired. He's not worn down. It's loving. What can we step into together? What can we work through together? What do you want me to do for you? Maybe you've written something on a card. Maybe in this next few minutes you would write something. This is what I'm praying. This is what I need. This is who I'm praying for. We sing this next song. You can bring it to the front. I'll be down front if you want somebody to pray with you. God, I pray that you would teach us that this is real and this is true, that this is how Jesus interacts with our desires and our wants. He asks lovingly and sincerely, what do you want me to do for you? What can we do together in 2023? Where do we need His power? Where do we need His grace? Where do we need hope? I pray in all of the situations across this room, all of the hurts and the, and the victories and the hopes and the burdens, that we are aware of just how much our Father loves us and desires to draw us to Himself. May we be praying people in 2023. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship. You come and pray if you need to.